The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. you we love you and Lord this is just our small offering as we sing our praises to you in Jesus name amen amen I love that last line his salvation is rich and free I think one of the great marks of uh, mature believers is they never lose sight of um, the power of reflecting on their own salvation So hopefully this week you've reflected on your own salvation, not that you received because you earned it, but because Christ bought it for you. Amen? It's a good, good thing. I'm glad to be speaking with you today. A lot's been going on in the life of Brandy and me, not just this year, but for the last, I don't know, decade and a half. I really appreciated Paul's uh, introduction. Um, Emmanuel really is a place where we've grown up. We came uh, on staff when I was 24 years old. 24. And what next week, what is it today, the 24th? In less than a week, I turned 38. So we celebrated 17 years of marriage last year, and you helped me learn to be a husband. You prayed my kids home from Africa. You got us through uh, deaths of family members, and you did life. And I'm always so grateful for Emmanuel in so many ways. You were encouraging to me when I didn't deserve it, and you held your criticism back when I did. So you've been a really, really special and great, great, great church. And, and I don't think that it's off by saying that Emmanuel will always be sort of my heart home church. No matter what God does in, in, in Grace Point in the days to come and where he has us in the years to come, <clears throat> I'm confident that Emmanuel will always be just so near and dear to our hearts and family. And we'll come back any chance we get to kind of come hang out with you guys. But you know, God's up to do some really special things at Grace Point. God, so far, I think has brought us 27 or 28 families, which is really, really exciting. Every one of them is more talented than me and smarter than me in every way. So I'm really grateful to be around some pretty special people in the days to come. And I am confident that, that uh, God has great plans for them as well uh, in this process. I think we've got somewhere 25, 27, 28 kids, which is really fun as we get to continue to minister to the next generation. <clears throat> kind of our Our sort of conversational buzz vision is that Grace Point would be a place where life change stories are experienced every day. We want it to be a place where life change stories are experienced every day. Has Christ changed your life? Because he's changed mine, and it's worth talking about. So we're really excited about that. We're going to be meeting in Medicine Crow Middle School starting next year. We're going to be renting that space. God opened up a really great place for us that's financially very responsible, but it's also going to be a place where we get to grow and grow and grow. Um, <clears throat> so we're looking forward to that. Uh, in addition, we are going to start monthly services in February. So February, March, two in April, and our target launch date is May, May 5th. So if we're ready to go, our goal is to launch with 200. Come on. Amen? I mean, look, look, that's a great thing. You got to have goals in life. If you don't have a goal in life, you don't know where you're going to go. So that's our goal. Thanks for all your prayers. We're going to be building a portable uh, uh, church, so trailers and all kinds of different things. But thanks for your encouragement. Thanks for your prayers. I continue to say, if God's nudging your heart to be a part of it, let's talk. Let's chat. You should know, and I've said this many times, that you have a lead pastor who is kingdom-minded. 
Paul is more concerned with kingdom growth than campus growth. Everybody say amen to that. Because we believe with all of our hearts, from lots of prayer and lots of talking, that we're going to have the opportunity to see more people come to know Jesus through two churches than just one, and especially in a partnership. So that's pretty great. That's pretty great. So when Paul asked me to preach today, I said, would you like me to preach uh, something that's in your sermon series, or what are you thinking? And he said, share from your heart. Speak what God has put in your heart. And so this morning, uh, the message is, um, if you'll allow me, a little more of my heart shared to you. We're going to get in scripture, but it's sort of a decade and a half of what I want to say to you as a church that are my brothers and sisters and co-laborers in Christ. I want to share with you uh, my heart, and specifically today about heart. Heart is an incredibly powerful thing. Our hearts are really, really an incredible thing. We use that phrase heart a lot often in sports, don't we? The Super Bowl win, uh, the Super Bowl team, uh, team wins the Super Bowl, and they interview the coach, and the coach might say something like, this team had heart. The Olympian wins the gold medal and say, we played with heart and drive and passion. So we're going to talk about heart today. Now, the actual heart that's in our chest is pretty incredible. It's amazing why God uses it. Did you know that your heart on average beats 75 times per minute? which equates to, you know, 40 million times a year, two and a half billion times in the life of 70 years. At each beat, the adult heart discharges about four ounces of blood. This amounts to 3,000 gallons, or listen to this, 650 gallons of blood a year, enough to fill more than 81 tank cars of 8,000 gallons each. The heart does enough work in one hour, They say to lift a 150-pound man to the top of a three-story building. Enough energy in 12 hours to lift a 65-ton tank car one foot off the ground. And listen to this one. And enough power in 70 years of life that the largest battleship afloat could be completely lifted out of the water. Our heart is powerful. Our heart is so powerful. The Greek and the Hebrew word for heart is a little bit obscure, but the best that we can tell, the heart means the center of things. So when the scripture talks about our heart, it's the center of things, and it appears in scripture a thousand times. A thousand times in the Bible, scripture refers to heart. Heart is powerful. Now listen to this. In the scripture, we see the heart referenced in terms of action and ability in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to say this very quickly, so listen with quick ears. Physically speaking, the Bible says that our heart can be affected by food and drink. It can faint and tremble. Psychologically, it attends intellectually. It perceives, it understands, it debates, it reflects, it remembers, it thinks, it imagines, it's wise, it's mad. Emotionally, The heart experiences gladness, joy, sorrow, anguish, bitterness, anxiety, despair, love, trust, affection, lust, callousness, hatred, fear, jealousy, desire, discontentment, sympathy, anger, irresolution. Are you with me so far? Volitionally, the heart can purpose. It can incline toward, it can prompt, it can be steadfast, willing, willful, contrive evil, follow its own treasures. You still there? Take a deep breath. Here we go. One more. Morally, morally, our hearts can be gentle, lowly, holy, faithful, upright, pure, single-minded, clean, loving towards God, loving towards others, hardened, sensitive, producing evil, self-deceiving, deceitful, avaricious, lustful, arrogant, impious, perverse, impenitent, and defiling. We made it. 
And did you know that that list is not exhaustive? That's not all that the Bible says encompasses our heart. Our heart is powerful. It's a really powerful part of our life. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says this. Let me read it to you this morning. It says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces what? Good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our heart is so powerful that it comes out of who we are. It shapes who we are as a person. It shapes our lives, our existence. We can't help but to speak about what comes from our heart. And the scripture says that, listen, when we have good in our hearts, our lives are going to produce a fruit of goodness. That we have evil that's treasured up in our hearts. Our lives are going to produce a product of evil. So our hearts need some attention. Grab your Bibles with me. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4, if you would. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to read one verse this morning, and we're going to talk about it. It's a really, really important concept that it's worth pausing for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verse 23 together. He says, Now, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. It's so good, let's read it twice. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life life. So here's what we need to understand. First thing that we learn in scripture is this, that our heart needs attention. Our heart needs attention. I think most of us uh, live our lives, sort of we go about the day-to-day, the minutiae, we make decisions, we raise a family, we have relationships, we go to work, we do the things that we do. But I don't know that as often as we ought to, we examine our hearts. We don't often give our hearts the attention it deserves. We might give our jobs the attention that, that it deserves. We might give our recreation the attention it deserves. We might give other things the attention it deserves. But most of us are not great at giving the attention to what's in our hearts and what's not in our hearts. Now, there's two words here, the word keep and the word vigilance. It's different in the Hebrew. It's not the same word, but they've got real similar connotations. The word keep means to protect or to guard to protect or to guard. You guard and protect something that has value, don't you? So he says, keep your heart. And then he says, keep it with all vigilance. Now this word for vigilance means to be watchful, on guard, or on post. And it it carries this idea of being on guard or on post to look over something that needs to be confined. Okay, Something like a prison. You're watching over the yard and, and it needs to be confined. When we give attention to our heart, we have to recognize that the scripture says that our hearts are exceedingly evil. Nod your heads if you hear what I'm talking about. Look, nobody has to convince you to sin. Nobody has to convince me to sin. It's just there. It's just there. It's inherited, okay? It's a curse. But because of this, we've got to give some attention to our heart. We need to be vigilant. We need to protect it. We need to watch over it and confine it and make sure that we're examining it for what it really is because our heart has tremendous value. We've got to watch it. Now, what do we guard it from? It's easy for us to allow things like bitterness to creep in, anger to creep in, unforgiveness, lust, greed, pride, and arrogance. All of those things creep into our hearts And we're called to give attention to it, to pay attention to what's in our hearts. 
a guy named Dean Niferatos, who's a guy of a native Chicago guy. He got on his standard number 22 CTA bus in Chicago one day, like he's done so many times. Climbs on the bus, grabs his seat, and he, alongside of his fellow passengers, you had your businessmen and women who were waiting for their commute to be over to get home for dinner. You had your affluent uh, shoppers, men and women who were downtown in the Chicago scene, and they had their bags all with them. You had your normal folks that were just kind of riding their boat, their, the bus to the next stop. Until one day, the seasoned, long, veteran bus driver pulls up on the corner of Casper and Webster Avenue. And the middle doors open up, and onboarding the bus are three people, two men and a woman. And as soon as he sees these in the rearview mirror of his bus, he says out loud to the whole bus, guard your valuables, we've got pickpockets on board. So everybody grabs their purse and pulls it in tight and holds onto their wallet. Now the three, looking clearly harassed and a little insulted, only took a moment or two before they exited the bus. They were caught, they were busted. You see, this bus driver was so seasoned, he paid careful attention to his space, to his bus. He knew who was on his bus, and he knew who shouldn't be on his bus. He knew the character, the poison that these three would have been to the passengers on his bus. He paid attention. He protected that. Friends, we need to be the same way in our hearts. We don't just go about life letting every wind of emotion uh, be a part of it. For most of us, when, when anger comes, we get angry. When we're mad about something, we say it out loud. When we don't like a person, we disrespect them. That, that comes from here, doesn't it? We ought to give careful attention to what's in our hearts, inventory our hearts, and reject those things that are not godly. The anger, the bitterness, the strife, all those things that I listed, we've got to pay close attention so that we don't let those take root. Number two, we see that our heart produces a spring. He calls us to keep our heart with all vigilance. By the way, not a little vigilance. It takes all vigilance. He says, because from it flow springs. From it flow springs. Our lives are the, I'm sorry, our hearts are the rudder of the ship of our life. James says that the the tongue is like a rudder of a ship that steers. But Luke 6.45 that we just read says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we know that the heart steers us. And the Bible says that out from from our heart flows a spring. Now, springs are pretty neat things if you've ever seen one. Springs are not uh, bodies of water that come from a tributary of a river or from a lake or a reservoir. Springs well up from beneath the surface. It comes from what's already there, and it can't help but to come out. And the scripture says that our hearts need to be watched over with careful, all-encompassing vigilance because what's coming out of it is from beneath the surface, and it makes a ripple effect on what's, what's in our life. So when a spring bubbles up enough water, where does it go? Down. Anybody seen a river go up? One person got that. Rivers go down, okay, in case you didn't know that. Uh, Gravity makes water go downhill. So what happens is the spring bubbles up, gathers enough, and it finds a path. And when that spring bubbles up, it carves into the earth, and it makes an impression, a really big impression. It makes a big impact. And in the same way, you and I have got to watch our hearts because the springs that flow out of us make an impression on those around you. They make a big impression on those around you. We can have springs that come out of pure-heartedness that are going to produce encouragement and benefit to those that are around you and building up the body, building up people, building up and encouraging the, the people that are around you. 
Or sadly, if we're not careful in keeping an inventory, we can produce springs of dirty, sludgy water. And those go downhill too. And those make an impact. But our hearts make an impact on those around us. And we've got to pay careful attention to what spring is coming from us. It's worth that vigilance. Number three, our heart is what builds our entire life. It builds our entire life. He says, keep, uh, uh, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Springs of life. Our lives are made up of the sum of the contents of our hearts. Our life is made up by the sum of the contents of your heart. See, what happens nowadays is people try to... Um, p- people all want to be seen in a positive light, don't they? Okay, we see business owners, we see spiritual leaders, we see politicians who all want to make an impact. They want to have a positive company, a positive uh, impact. They want to do something noble. They want to have a successful business. But the challenge is, too many men and women try to pull apart their heart from what they see on the outside. What happens is, we have this evil, dark heart here, and then what ends up happening? It comes out. It shapes their life. We see, we see what happens in the end of our life. What ends up happening is the summation of all that's been in here. You can't just make an impact on the outside that other people are going to think are great and wonderful, yet at the same time having darkness in our heart. The two just don't go together. They just don't. Our ways are always going to find us out because the spring that we're producing is not a healthy spring of life. It's not a healthy spring of life. It's not possible to bear fruit with a contaminated heart. We've got to pay attention to it. I think everybody wants a good life, don't they? Everybody wants to be seen positively. If we go across the country today, you could go to prisons all across the country and you could interview death row inmates and say, do you think you're a good person? Listen, the majority is going to say, yeah, I think I'm generally a pretty good person because we normally put good people on death row, don't we? That doesn't make any sense. Did you know that nobody can deceive you better than you? Nobody can lie to you more effectively than yourself. We are the best at deceiving ourselves. We can convince ourselves that we've got such a good heart, such a, such a positive heart. But sometimes what comes out of our heart is bitterness, anger, complaining, and slander, and whining, and criticism. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've got to keep an inventory on our heart. We've got to recognize that what's in here builds our entire life. Now, let's talk about the positive side of it. Here, those are some challenges, ways that we are vigilant. But let's answer the question, what does a healthy heart look like? As a Christ follower, what does a healthy heart look like? Now, I'm going to give you three that are not all-encompassing by any means, but they're what I would tell you are a good principle starter point. That if we will examine these three things and submit those to Christ— that we're going to begin to be shaped, our hearts are going to begin to be shaped for a positive flowing spring. Point number one, a healthy heart looks like this. It's a heart for God that embraces surrender. A heart for God embraces surrender. There's two ways to surrender to God, isn't there? There's two ways to do it. Um, Many times, uh, we love God, we, we, we know God, we've been a Christian, and we know that we're supposed to do what God says, So he challenges us to do something, and we sort of go, all right, well, I guess if God told me to do it, the Bible says it, I need to obey it. To which God is up in heaven going, wow, thank you for that attitude, right? 
I want you to go serve your neighbor. You're like, fine, I'll go make a plate of cookies for my neighbor because God might. And we submit begrudgingly. But that's not what God wants from us, is it? God wants us to embrace surrender. He wants us to want to surrender to him. He wants us to give our lives completely and totally, wholly over to him in all of these things. Listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 51, verse 17. He says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Real challenging passage, real challenging passage. Now, the word broken and the word contrite are two different words as well, but they mean similar things. Let me speak a word of encouragement over you when I tell you the Hebrew word for broken means to smash, to shatter, or to break into pieces. Anybody want to say amen to that one? Not really, do you? It means to smash, to shatter, to break into pieces. The word contrite or contrition means to crush or to be broken into pieces. But what does it mean when David says the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart? God will never despise. The point is this. When we surrender to the Lord, we recognize that our ways are not the best ways. That my strength is no strength at all. That my righteousness is no righteousness at all. David is broken before God. He's contrite before God because he's realized his ways were folly. His ways led to destruction. And that surrender means that we allow God to break our hearts for what breaks his. We allow God to to, to change our wills, our desires, and say yes to his will and to his desire. Surrendering doesn't mean that we surrender when it's comfortable. It doesn't mean that we surrender when we agree. It doesn't mean that we surrender when it's easy. Surrender by definition is not easy, is it? It's challenging. But what God wants from our hearts, the flowing spring of our hearts, is that we embrace it. Have you ever fought with God before? You say, I've never fought with God before. I might disagree with you. I've fought with God before. It can be so little as God saying, I want you to give that money to help your neighbor. Oh, well, or, or tithing, an actual tithe to the church. You go, oh, oh I don't know. I, oh. We're fighting with God. The scripture's clear, isn't it? It says, love your enemy Ooh, and pray for those who persecute you. And you know it, but you don't do it. Because it's hard to pray for the ones you don't like. It's hard to love your enemy actionally. It's difficult to do that. He may call you to share your faith, and you go, well, I'm just going to pray for him. That's us fighting with God, isn't it? The surrender says, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. I'm going to do whatever God asks me to do. I want you to know I was honest with the first two services. I'll be honest with you. I have never had this burning desire to plant a church. I didn't have a resume together. I was thankful where God called me to Emmanuel. I, this is where I wanted to be. I wanted to retire here. I wanted to give my life to Emmanuel. This is, this is where I wanted to be. And I sensed God stirring my heart. And over that time, over that period, I realized God was calling me to plant a church. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, God I, I've never planted a church before. I don't know how to plant a church. That's it. And God said, will you surrender to me? Will you surrender to me? Will you surrender to me? And he reminded me, he said, guess who knows how to plant a church? I do. Isn't that good? God says, guess what? I know how to plant a church. All you got to do is follow me. God changed my will. He changed my agenda. And all he said to me is, Jim, will you surrender to me? Will you surrender to me? And we say, yes, embrace the surrender of whatever God might have for us. Rick Warren says this about it. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Humility is not walking around thinking that you're worthless. That's not humility. 
When we surrender to God, we think more about him than ourselves. You don't worry about how much money you make at your job. You worry about, is it a place where you get to live out your faith? We, we regard him in all those areas. Number two, it's a heart for God that lives out love. A heart for God lives out love. This does not mean a romantic love or a butterfly love. It's a love that is very much moved to action. It's a love that's moved to action. I told you a moment ago that we, nobody deceives ourselves better than we do. We can deceive ourselves better than anyone else. We can convince ourselves that we love things that we don't. We say, well, I love my neighbor. The Bible says, I love my neighbor. Then I might ask you, what have you done to serve and meet the needs of your neighbor? Love is always meant to be in action. It's always meant to be lived out. We see a person in, in need and, oh, we have such compassion. We love that person, yet we don't do anything to help them. We often say, I love my church, but, but do we contribute to the ministry of the church? We might say, I love my church so much, but, but you haven't jumped in and got involved. You haven't helped push forward the kingdom vision, haven't helped move forward in d- discipling our next generation or helping our welcome or whatever the case may be. We say that we love things, but our actions prove whether we actually do, doesn't it? That's how it works. We say that we love certain things, but, but what proves it in the heart of God in our hearts is, is action. If we say we love, we have to act. We have to act. First John actually rebukes us by saying that we can say we love God, but if we say we love God and we don't love our neighbor, we hate our neighbor, then, then we're actually deceiving ourselves and we have not loved. Surely the heart of God must be cloaked with living out love. Now, there's a great contrast between duty and heart here. So many of us have fallen under this, uh, the trap, and it's an easy trap to get into. We've fallen under the trap of obeying God out of duty and not heart. And we've convinced ourselves that, that it's good obedience because, you know, it's duty. Now, there's something to be said for staying faithful because it's faithful, but understand the concept of what we're saying today. God doesn't just want your dutiful obedience. Guess I got to write a check to the Lord today. You know, throw it out. He wants us to delight in it. He wants us to give joyfully. He doesn't want us just to obey him and share our faith with others and say, well, I guess I'm supposed to. He wants us to have an anguish for the lost person, a love for them, and a love for God that we do it. We don't serve out of just duty. There's got to be heart. There's got to be heart. There's got to be conviction. There's got to be an emotive, a deeper motive response to our faith that causes us to action. And from the depth of our heart, we move away from that duty to heart. Number three this morning, and perhaps one of the most important, is that this is a heart for God that has grit. A heart for God has grit. I don't know if we use the word grit very often. Here's my definition of the word grit for spiritual life. It is a deep, emotive conviction that simply won't quit. The never-say-die kind of faith that's a grit of heart. It's a depth of emotive conviction, such of which we cannot help but to do it. When you're such, so passionate and have such a conviction over what God wants us to do and for who he is, you cannot help but to persevere. You cannot help but to act on what God's called you to do. A heart, a heart for God that streams out flowing, living water is a heart with grit. Now, let me tell you, there's a challenge. Friends, we've come a long way from the first century when Jesus ascended to the Father to where we are today. 
When Jesus ascended to the Father, he looked down at his disciples and he said, now listen, go, go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And guess what they did? They did exactly what he said. And they went out and did it. And you know what happened? They faced persecution. They faced beatings and imprisonments and stoning and separation and martyrdom. And the church had to disperse because the government hated them. So did the church die? Absolutely not. What did they have? They had grit. They had an incredible spiritual heart of grit that said they will never quit on the gospel. They'll never quit on Jesus. They'll never quit on the mission of God. In our culture today, so often, we get so focused on the comfort of the chairs and the color of the lighting and the air temperature and the style of music and the volume of the music and the number of ministries that we have and the number of ministries that we don't have. And we get so focused on our campus that we forgot about the kingdom. Grit is what keeps in mind the kingdom is supreme, amen? That needs a bigger amen than that, please. Come on, right? You should know we're not planting Grace Point because I want to start a kingdom over here. If that's what you think, I want to make it easy for you. That could not be farther from the truth. It's better for me to stay here because I love it here. Paul's willing to lose so many families, lose to gain kingdom impact. And we're willing to leave the place that we love for kingdom impact because God died for everyone, amen? For everyone. And it's a mission that he calls us to. You and I are on mission and we've got distracted at times where we think about our own little empires and our own little kingdoms and we forgot to have spiritual grit for the things that matter. For the things that matter, we ought not quit on God. Abraham, in the scriptures, had grit. Not only did he leave his home and walk hundreds and hundreds of miles, but can you imagine the grit that it would have taken for 100-year-old Abraham to walk up that mountain with a knife in this hand, fire in this hand, and his son Isaac in tow to sacrifice him like God commanded him to do? It took grit to say yes to God's call. Noah took a lot of grit to build a boat in a land that had never seen rain before. Surely a hundred years of mocking by the neighbors, he had grit. Queen Esther had grit, enough that she would approach the king who could surely take her life in order to save her people. It took grit. Daniel had grit, that he was willing to face a lion's den. He was willing to die so that he might pray as his heart inclined him to do, regardless of the law. Rahab, the prostitute, is cited in Hebrews chapter 11 as a woman of faith because she had grit enough to hide God's spies even when the government wanted to find them and kill them. That was grit. The shepherd boy David showed grit when he stepped aside of these big, tall, soldiered men who were so scared that they wouldn't even approach a single person mocking the name of God. Shepherd boy David showed grit and said, give me a rock, I'll take care of this job because you won't step in place. It took grit for him to do that. The apostle Paul showed grit that when he planted churches and he went in the name of God, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was in prison, he was stoned within an inch of his life so that the gospel would move forward so that you and I would get to know him. And Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God who created the universe with his very voice, who came to earth and let his very creation mock him and reject him, 
who then beat him bloody within an inch of his life, made him pick up his own wooden cross, drag it through the streets in order to be nailed to a tree so that you and I might have eternal life freely given. That took grit. Friends, have we forgotten to have spiritual grit? Is it possible that we've gotten so comfortable with the day-to-day and the life that we live that is, is, is it possible that our grit has slipped and become comfortable and simple and easy? This morning, I think God is challenging us to do this. So what I want to share with you last bit this morning is just how is your heart? Have you been surrendering to him fully and completely and totally? Or are there things that you say, don't call me to that because I'm going to say no. Maybe this morning, it's time for you to say whatever, whenever, however, whoever. I will go and I will do whatever you want me to do, God. My life is completely yours. Maybe you haven't practiced the love that you talk about. Maybe it's time to live that out. And maybe the biggest, like I said this morning, what about your grit? How's your heart? Are you one of those people that that if you're honest in the stillness of your own heart, would you be honest enough to say that whenever hard things come, you question God's existence and you question his goodness? Or would you say, I will never quit on my Savior? He will, get a, he will get a new level of grit from me today. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. As we examine those, I want to give you just a minute to think that one through. Maybe that is you this morning. Maybe you haven't given much attention to your heart. Maybe even just as I was speaking this morning, you were thinking about all these things that have been in your heart, some bitterness. Maybe you have some unforgiveness that needs to be resolved. Maybe your heart is just filled with selfish kind of ambition that that is more concerned about what you think and your opinion and what you want to do. Maybe it's time today to say, Lord, I want to care about what you care about. Give attention to that heart. But where's your grit? Where's your grit? Where are you at in the game? Are you participating in God's kingdom work? He's tugging on you today. Say, get in the game. Let's get to it. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and come forward. I'm going to pray and do that. Father, I pray that in the next few moments as we reflect on this application, God, that you would help us to rightly examine our hearts. God, that our hearts would be um, wide open, surrendered to you completely so that you can transform it and make it what you want it to be, Lord. Lead us through this time in Jesus' name. Listen, I love to spend time in the mountains. I do. I love to spend time in the Beartooth. I love to hike. And one of the things I love about being up there is you get to see these incredible, pristine mountain lakes. These mountain lakes where you come around the corner and you can see the color of each rock. And you can see the fish swimming around. And you can just see the reflection of the mountains in it. And it's crystal clear. And many of these crystal clear lakes come from crystal clear Springs, Friends, wouldn't we want to have our life be a crystal clear lake that flows from a clean heart before God? Let that be our endeavor. Let that be our life legacy that that the, the springs that flow from who we are would come together in such a way that it reflects the glory and the goodness of God. Because the scripture says, blessed are those who are pure of heart for they will see God. Let's pursue to that end for his glory. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.
Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.